Welcome to The Savvy Founder, the one place for entrepreneurs and business owners, away from the everyday bustle, where we help you find your path to a profitable and bright future. Now here's your host, The Savvy Founder and armchair sociologist himself, Philip Topham. Hello, I'm Philip Topham, The Savvy Founder. I'm here in the uh, studio, or Zoom studio, as it were, with Liam Rose, uh, CEO and founder of Horace Catalina 7. Welcome, Liam. How are you doing? Doing great today. Yeah. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Uh, Well-deserved. So first off, uh, why don't we just uh, give a real brief background on the business concept that you your, your startup not too long, and then we'll get into your background and how you got to that. So what's what's the business? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's, let's answer what the, the what is for the business. Um, so really the business idea, um, without getting into the origin story, I'll say, is really that you should really be able to schedule your time in one tool if you're going to make decisions, if you're going to look at your life and really one view, make decisions based on that, as well as your routine, your system, all of it. It really doesn't make sense that you should be doing this across, you know, four to up to 10 tools. I know that sounds crazy, but say 10 different schedules across all the different areas of your life, you end up with all of these silos of information that are really getting in the way of each other and don't actually help you to schedule your time. It's just more tools because there's nothing out there that really lets you control who can see what. So it's either everyone can see my schedule on, say, an email-based calendar or I'm the only one who can see it. So I'm left to do all of this manual scheduling. Um, yeah, I could certainly go for quite a long time answering that. Yeah. So, so centralized schedule, you see everything, but control who sees what. So the whole concept of that, uh, just a completely new way uh, of managing your own personal time. That's that essentially is the problem you're trying to solve, right? Absolutely. And it's all about the individual since we often get asked soon after, is this a business product? Is this, you know, for individual people? And it, we are 100% all in on the personal scheduling experience, you controlling your time. And of course, work and say school, these are all naturally part of that too. That becomes a part of it as well. But it's not treated as something that's separate or really distinct. I mean, if it takes up some of your 24 hours in the day, then that's a use of time that you're going to want to keep track of and make decisions around. Absolutely. So, all about time, all about your managing your own time. So we'll go a little bit into the origin story. I'm going to change my question. So where did this idea come from? Did it, did it, were you like uh, Sir Isaac Newton sitting under an apple tree and an apple fell in your head and you said, oh, I'm going to solve gravity. I'm, I'm going to, or you, the day planner dropped out of the, the sky and you said, I'm going to solve time. What happened? So, <laughs> To be honest, it was a little bit of both. So I think Sir Isaac Newton would have been proud of, of us for you know nothing else than the fact that maybe 70 miles per hour on the highway when I had this idea. Um, and if you listen to like Mark Randolph and you know a couple other notable founders, they say a lot of the greatest ideas come during road trips. Uh, and this was certainly the case for us. So I guess to give a little bit more context, it was college. Um, you know, I, I was on this last minute spring break when I should have stayed, you know, on campus to do work, but, you know, someone gave me an offer that was too good to refuse. And there we were on the road, you know, great time, you know, went up to the East coast for the first time. And I'm from California, born and raised. So that was, you know, truly a sightseeing expedition. 
But, you know, then I came back and I had all this work that, you know, hadn't gotten done and forced me to really think like, okay, obviously I'm going to need to be on top of it. You know, I'm going to need to really approach the rest of the semester with a different perspective. And so it had me thinking about, okay, um, well, my problem isn't really, it's just too much school, too much this. I mean, after all, I was a business school student. There's harder majors out there. But really, it was me making decisions across my whole life together. So, uh, you know, I had ADD. Uh, and I was also just a total yes man. So if you said, you know, hey, let's go, you know, hang out after class or, you know, let's go hit the gym later or let's, you know, study and work, you know, study for that midterm coming up, I would say yes to any of it. And so at the end of the day, I was overbooked. I didn't have actually have an idea of how I was spending my time. I was always kind of scheduling by the seat of my pants. Uh, and, you know, obviously that's not a system to get a lot done. That's, a, you know, a system to be very mediocre at a lot of things instead of actually you know, prioritizing and building your schedule around a few key priorities. Um, so that was my place. Okay, how am I going to catch up? And really, it was just started from, okay, how am I going to manage my time? Uh, and I just started thinking about time in general, just thinking about, okay, it's not in these day-by-day -day blocks. It's not in these half-hour segments. Time is continuous, especially my life as a college student, which turns out isn't so terribly different from life as a founder. You know, you might find yourself working at all hours of the day, kind of always talking to people, but then at the same time, you seem like a, you know, shut in because you never really leave your, your room, all of the above. Um, and so I thought, okay, time's continuous. How do we wrap this up? And basically just led me to think of, you know, time as this kind of spiral in a way, you know, this thing that, that keeps on going forever. And you know, tomorrow is more important than a year from now, more important than two years from now, has this kind of time value of money effect on time itself kind of thought, okay, if that's, you know, one wide end, one small and wrap it all together, it kind of forms a spiral. Yeah. I, I want to stop you right, right there for a second. Cause, cause I understand what you're talking about by this spiral because right. we're on an audio show and the audience doesn't understand a, a spiral. So why don't you describe what the spiral is a little bit better for them so they can envision what you're talking about? Right, right. I mean, it's kind of the clubhouse dilemma here. How do you pitch a visual product in a <laughs> um, non-visual medium, right? Uh, let's say you can imagine like a Nautilus shell, right? So kind of, you know, thick outer opening, then as you get in, it just gets narrower and narrower, right? Um, really, that means that for us, kind of you know, current time is outside. It's the widest the spiral is going to be. Everything's big and emphasized. And then you still want to be aware of those things that are coming up, you know, that thing that's an hour from now, a day from now, whatever that may be. But it's less important. It's less present uh, to us right now in this moment. So imagine this Nautilus shell outside, you know, biggest part is the opening. Then further you go into the spiral is further ahead into the future in such a way that you still get to compare apples to apples, say this time today is right next to this time tomorrow in the inner ring of that spiral. But very importantly, it shows continuously, it's not chopped up into these little pieces, but also to some extent, it's really designed to encourage people to think and experience in the moment. Right now is most important. You're not, of course, you know, completely unaware. You're thinking ahead. You, you know these things are coming up, but it's not, hey, look at your whole week and look at this, you know, many, many events that all seem equally important. It's about focus on now, but be aware of what's coming later. Yeah. I know when I first saw that the Nautilus spiral, it's very visually appealing. Uh, you have five different colors for the thing, which is Horus. Right. right? So the, what, what does Horus stand for? Yeah. I, I know you love to talk about that because it, it's right. 
we're we're just one big uh, per, you know. Yeah, never mind. Tell me, tell yeah. me what horse is. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, there's so many different answers to this. I'll give a, a few of the best ones. Um, so it was actually called horse before you know it became a, a, an acronym associated with the categories as it is now. But we thought, okay, Horus. We have this spiral shape. There's the spiral tail to it. Horology is the study or measurements of time. Um, you know, both say like conceptually as well as, you know, someone who's a watchmaker, a clockmaker, which we unfortunately don't do, but it's an interesting industry. Um, but basically at one point we were thinking, okay, we have these categories and to us, they're pretty well formed, but of course it wasn't easy for someone new to hear about it and understand it and know what that means or how that fits in. So for us, Horus stands for the five event categories, which are health, occupation, responsibility, unique, and social. So really anything you do in 24 hours can be captured within one of those five categories. Um, it loosely follows kind of a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, kind of health on the bottom upon which every other form of success rests, then work, then kind of tasks, then more you know, aspirational, personal things, social needs, then all the way up to identity. Um, but on a more functional level, it lets you segment visibility so, you know, who can see what, say, my, you know, co-founder can click into occupation events or my friends and family can click into social events, as well as it provides a convenient mechanism for tracking time analytics. So you might think of it as, say, screen time for your real life. You know, what's my total health time, occupation time, which really is designed to form a mirror. You get to look at your life. I mean, it's just reporting data back to you in the same way that screen time is. So that you get to decide what a successful week looks like. You get to decide, okay, I didn't really get the things that I wanted to done. It wasn't aligned with my priorities, which ultimately gets to, you know, if this is who I am through how I'm spending my time, is this something I'm happy with? Is this how I want other people to see me? Um, so really it's about your whole life across those five categories, Horus, the life schedule. Very nice. So driving down the freeway, spring break, realize time's out of control you decide to create a new time uh, time management self-management so between college and now we say it's, it's, it's doing a startup is much like a, a a college days you work all hours so absolutely uh, how did now how are you if how are you man, you know you're managing your time today right so between before you had the idea how you manage time and now you're managing time what what have you what have you learned about time oh boy um let's see well i, I would say to, to some extent I've, I've kind of you know done learning and development hand in hand um a lot of trial and error a lot of experimentation on my own end but really i've come to you know this very let's say loose model you know that you're not going to find this in any harvard business articles anytime soon but really, you know, there's kind of the bones of your schedule, which is your routine. And one of the most interesting insights about that is that everyone's uh, quote unquote routine is different. What you schedule other things around. Like for me, I found, you know, my most consistent items will be my work meetings, like, you know, our, you know, weekly, meet, uh, weekly meetings, stand-ups, uh, that kind of thing, my exercise and my meditation. And those are, those just happen to be the most consistent things around my life. Those form the bones of my life that everything else is kind of anchored to those. So to some extent, my routine is like the baseline things that I want to get done no matter what, no matter what the week is. In theory, even a vacation or work week, that's the same. And then all of the one-off events, the special things, you know, whether it's individual work time, meeting with someone else, that's going to be built around that. And without that context, there's really too many things floating around. 
um, which also, you know, very conveniently works into, you know, the most recent feature we've put onto the beta around set routine, um, which goes to the other piece, which is actually really having an idea of the week before you get into it. Um, you know, since we're going all the way back to college now, actually, um, in the course of my studies, I conducted a pretty interesting interview with a hedge fund manager in Richmond, and I kind of asked him about his day and his keys to success. And he, he basically was kind of a deceptively simple answer, but he kind of just sits down every morning, just 30 minutes silence. You know, you could, you could call it meditation. You could just call it reflection or planning, whatever that is, but really visualizing that day ahead. So for me, that usually takes the form of a Sunday night, you know, I go on a really, really long walk. I'm kind of just thinking through my week ahead. Um, you know, is there anything special? Do the priorities need to change? Anything like that? And so to some extent, I, I try and bundle up some of that reflection. And then depending on the day, depending on what's actually going to be required, I'll try and have some kind of reset to that or try and anchor to that. And there's a business version of that too. You know, the, the weekly plan ahead, it sounds great in theory. If you don't make the time to actually say, okay, that goal that we want to achieve, when is that going to get done? I was going to translate into my actual schedule. Then it, you know, he probably just remains a goal. It seems like a good thing to do. Yeah. That here's what we want to do to here's when it's going to get done. That's the most key piece. Yeah. I, I really like the concept of your time being anchored, you're anchoring your time and that's your skeleton of who you are and everything else is, but if you're not spending time reflecting on what your weeks ahead, you could perhaps just like exercising and being healthy, get your skeleton out of whack because you're not paying attention to it. So I, I really right. like that way of looking at things. Uh, in building your business and, and such, you're, you're very disciplined. I know this about you. You're very disciplined. You're using the uh, enterprise, uh, operating system. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so how, how is that, or how has that kind of discipline of having to run a business and run meetings and, and do planning? How, how's that evolved or what was that a surprise to you in building a startup or such? Um, hmm. Tough one. Oh, good question. But I would say most, I mean, we're not terribly unique in the fact that a lot of times um, structure gets introduced, you know, not because we realize the benefits, but rather because we experience the lack of structure, the downsides of that. So in many ways, you know, the best thing we could do wasn't, you know, this kind of master plan, like, oh, we found the structure and then, you know, that's going to be great to, you know, activate at this point. Let's start working on this ahead of time. To some extent is, we experienced some small, you know, failure in the system. You know, something didn't get done, or something was talked about but wasn't actually, you know, moved forward on the timeline discussed. Enough of those kind of small failures, which you know, certainly in the early stages when it's, you know, move a little bit more slowly, spend as little as money as possible. You know, as you're doing this basic discovery, as you're doing just like the very, very first steps of validation. So then, you know, fortunately, those low cost mistakes were okay. You know, once we're at this stage, once we have the product out. We can't have that kind of thing happen. What system is going to fix that? The great thing there too is that, um, you know, tech startups, software startups, they've been around for a little while. So most of the structural problems, the organizational problems we may encounter, someone has already encountered and you know, usually solved as well. They have a great framework. 
So as long as we're willing to go out there and find it and then follow the instructions and which really comes down to basically thinking, okay, we're not, you know, too smart to need the system. Lots of, you know, capable people need frameworks to work together. Even just two people who are smart in different areas. You know, I come more from the business finance side, working with a, a technical person, us having the same set of rules, even. That's something that you don't really, I'd say very few people. And if there are, you know, kudos to them, but few people see the need for that before they actually experience the need for that. Yeah. I, I certainly, saw you use that framework sooner in your startup than I, than I would see in many others. And I liken it to uh, the framework is like a shared ruler. You, mm. you both agree. Imagine if you had a, a, a yardstick and your co-founder had a meter stick and you're yeah. trying to trying to say, well, I'm on the number two, you know, is that two centimeters or, two feet or two inches, right? You're, you're perfectly talking about something, but at odds with each other. So frameworks really help create that ruler. And so for everybody listening in the audience, if you're thinking about your business, use a framework. It's not that your frameworks are wonderful rulers to have those discussions. You can always tweak the ruler, but now two people or two co-founders or five, five startups or the executive team can really help drive the business. So that uh, kudos to you on that, Liam. And if I could add something quickly too. Yeah, absolutely. Unless, you know, you say you're McKinsey or you're, you know, a consulting company, right? Management probably shouldn't be your core value proposition. Obviously you should be good at it, but to some extent, if you want to focus on what you're really brilliant at, which every founder should have and know, don't try and reinvent the wheel with management, you know, save that time. Don't try and reinvent something, get some perhaps marginal improvement on it. Focus on where you know you can actually be uniquely brilliant. Let the management people, you know, who've already solved it, you know, benefit from their labor. Very nice. Thank you. As you're building your business and where where are your where is your business at now? You've got your product out on the Apple store and the and the beta test sites, right? So mm -hmm. tell us where, where's your product at? Where are you on this entrepreneurial journey? <laughs> I'll say um, not where I'd hope to be because, you know, nothing ever happens fast enough. Progress is never fast enough, but I will say, you know, certainly I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, happy to be in this place in development. So um, we'll start at the high level. We can go from there, but so right now, uh, open beta application out for TestFlight iOS and then uh, Google Play Console for Android testers. Um, it's, uh, it's actually a really interesting time for our market industry in general because there's actually just now starting to be a little bit of awareness for, say, our, our burgeoning industry. Um, one of the players in our space, IRL, they you know, market themselves as somewhat of a social calendar group messaging platform. They recently became a unicorn. So... Um, and they're, you know, a few years ahead, you know, founded uh, before we were. Um, and to some extent, that's kind of the external validation. So everyone can look at us and kind of have that in mind. Still, you know, where we are, uh, open beta application. Um, as I mentioned, really the key piece to our value proposition is that visibility control. So you being able to, to uh, see everything, but then have the right level of visibility for everyone in your life. There's kind of the privacy settings for, say, a parent, your mom, your dad, a spouse, family member, a friend, a coworker, down to, you know, a doctor, a personal trainer, right? 
And then of course, you know, the flip side of that, it's very important because scheduled data is very personal to us. You could think of it as sharing your diary to someone, right? You would, you know, really be hesitant to show all of it to anybody. Um, and so right now that's the thing that we're testing before we open up testing, before we allow our users to invite other users onto the platform, we're trying to keep it pretty small, just in the you know, small chance that there is some kind of, you know, bug related to visibility, whatever that may be. We want to minimize that possible exposure. After that point, that's where, you know, we, we kind of go from quantum physics to classical physics before it's kind of, you know, build it, make sure it functions, make sure it works. Okay, now that we you know have the thing that works and we can point to the thing and say that works, how do we then take that scalable, repeatable message? And so we're actually just kind of closing off that um, not quite waterfall piece of development, but it's not quite true iteration cycles either. We're still following this roadmap based on what users are telling us, but actually, you know, we're not quite to that level where it's you know someone told us something on Tuesday and it's in the app on Friday. That's more where we're hoping to be. So yeah, that kind of the product side on the team side are very small, just, you know, a handful of full-time employees were you know, very uh, grateful and lucky to have some really, you know, fantastic advisors and consultants on the project. Uh, you know, people with many years of experience that, you know, frankly, our team doesn't have, you know, we have great ideas. We have a lot of passion and enthusiasm, but, you know, oftentimes the true de-risking can only come from someone with experience. So having them on the team really helped us to avoid those pitfalls. But of course, now we're thinking about packing on more resources into how do we move faster? How do we introduce new capabilities that our existing team members can refocus on other things? Uh, and just the, the amount of things we can get done as a whole can just go up. Um, so as I'm sure you're aware, and probably many of the listeners to this are aware too, there's some threats to both sides, which is not growing fast enough and growing too quickly, kind of having this opportunity and jumping on it or think you have an opportunity, but, you know, kind of misfiring too early. So we know, you know, we're, we're in a growth phase for the company uh, and we're about to actually enter a growth phase for the product as well. Um, but thinking about, okay, what's, what's too fast for the team to grow or too slow. Then even on the product side, right. Controlling the, you know, speed or pace of user growth as it relates to infrastructure. These are all new topics. Unfortunately, we have the people on our network who can help us to consider these, but that's a lot to consider. Okay, you know, device performance versus scalable database performance. You know, how many concurrent users are we going to be able to have? Um, and then on to the finance piece, you know, we are fundraising our pre-seed round. Um, I can't share too many details on that, but uh, we are probably going to be closing that within the next few months. Um, and then, you know, that kind of great news to me because I don't have to work, uh, say three jobs anymore. I just get to work two jobs. Yay. Um, so I get to put down my finance hat and then, you know, focus on what I really love to do. Just talking to the users, working with our team on the product. So, um, that's a fortunate development there. Um, but you know, to me, it's to some extent, my life is never different because it's always changing because it's always different. Um, but for the rest of the team, I have to think, okay, they've been thinking in this mode. Now we're entering this new phase. It's you know, typical for a startup, but uh, it's still brand new to us. Yeah, you're you're in the. There's a classic book, "Nail It Then Scale It." Yes. Right? you're you're really trying to make sure that the the privacy piece from individual to groups is really nailed, mm -hmm. and then then figure out how to scale it because. Let's face it. There's there's seven billion people in the world. I forget how many people are on smartphones these days, 
uh, you know, more than half, <laughs> more than a half. Exactly. So that's a lot of scheduling out there and in, in just a, a portion of the world. So, yeah, we'll be uh, looking forward to that very quickly. As, as you've gone on this journey, is, is there anything that you because you you started in business school to get yourself a lot of skills about mm. what the entrepreneurial journey was and so had a lot of book knowledge case studies spoke to a lot of people if you if you looked back what's the biggest surprise from when you were sitting in that class thinking okay i'm going to do this i'm ready i'm going to i'm going to make this the startup i'm i'm young I'm going to swing for the fences. I'm going to build a big scalable company. What's been the biggest surprise for you along this journey so far? Sure. Um, that's a, uh, that's a, uh, that's a $10 question there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I do like the $10 questions, but yeah. no, no I, worries. I think, um, yeah, no. So I, I would say I can kind of tie this into one of, uh, one of my philosophical themes over the past few few years, I guess. Um, I think some people think that um, being a startup founder is really about having like the, this one ability uh, that you can do that you know like the vast majority of people can't do, um, which is is funny and it's not completely untrue because really any startup needs to have that one thing that they can do that no other company can do. Kind of the, you know, every startup succeeds for a different reason and every, you know, failed startup fails for the same reason, right? So the startup needs to have something unique, but like as a founder, really, it's not you having this like superpower, like, you know, you don't need to be, you don't even need to be an expert in your field. You know, I, I would challenge anyone to point, you know, look at me and say, I'm an expert in, you know, X or Y, not, not the case, but really for a founder to make it, to just push on and actually move the needle forward. It's, you know, really more about how, how much pain you can take versus, you know, what you can actually go out and do. It's not to say that, you know, you're going to have any like single, you know, boulder obstacle right in front of your path. That you just can't get through or requires, you know, Superman strength to move out of the way. But it's really more the idea that, okay, we encountered another problem, you know, after hundreds or thousands of problems in this sort of journey. It's unique to us and it seems really difficult, but if we study it, if we approach it from a few angles, we're going to be able to chip it away. There's going to be a weakness in it. There's going to be a way around it. Um, ultimately, it's, it's not getting just uh, discouraged, right? It's being able to say, okay, yeah, it's challenging or that's intimidating or I'm uncomfortable doing this. You know, like, I don't like to be on social media. Do I really have to? Or I hate networking. Is that really needed? You know, none of these things are particularly difficult. There isn't some, you know, sacrosentia around how to do it properly. Um, but it's really, okay, am I going to be the one to sit down and do it? And, you know, to point to the larger idea of this, you know, I think that a lot more people could be founders than would really believe it. You know, a lot of people say, okay, well, I'm good at this, but I, you know, could I run a business? No. Um, because, you know, running a business isn't like some like key piece of knowledge that if you have, you can do it's thousands or tens of thousands of small pieces of knowledge, which by the way, you don't need to all have right up front. You know, a few things, you know, you really have to get proper you know, as you set it up because it's very difficult and cumbersome to go back and fix the vast majority of that. Let's say 90% of that business operational knowledge you can pick up on the go. And as long as you're willing to kind of swallow that, you know, discouragement or, you know, say, Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Or that seems like really difficult. Am I really going to be able to do that? as my business needs me to, 
Um, a lot of these things are a lot more daunting than they seem. And that's why a lot of founders who could be wonderfully successful, they could apply their expertise and one knowledge to a really, really awesome business. They don't because they think, okay, you know, I don't have the background for that, right? Like, uh, and this is something I knew, you know, to, to flip the question a little bit, something I knew in college, but probably a lot of people didn't. You don't need a business degree to run a business. Um, you don't need a business degree to work in most like business roles. Um, I liked it. I mean, it was you know fun. It was relatively easy. I knew, you know, I learned most of that stuff in high school on my own, right? Business concepts, vast majority of which you get to a really, really advanced level, you can teach yourself. So there's very little like this is too daunting or I'm not going to meet that level. It's just, are you willing to survive those yeah. cuts? So, so I think that's really sage advice that you don't need to be the super powered technician, the super powered finance guy. But I once heard in one of the previous shows that the, the superpower or the super skill that the founder needs, and I'd like your, whether you agree with this, is you're, you're the keeper of the faith. You're the keeper of the vision. You're the can do, we will do, right? We're, humanity is always exploring. We're always pushing forward. And so you're, somebody says, Hey, let's, let's build this company. You go, yep, we're going to build this company. And, and somebody else makes it, Nope, we, we're not going to build it, but you're always going to go, Nope, we're going to build it. We're going to solve the problems. We're going to move forward. Is, is that, is that, do you agree with that? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I guess I was going for what's the top, you know, maybe uh, counterintuitive, you know, piece of knowledge you would have said. But this, and this, this I wouldn't say is counterintuitive, but it's non-obvious, right? And I was yeah. about this the other night. You know, what actually, if we go down to specifics, what separates a founder, you know, what it, what a true founder from just a very successful business operator, someone who can run businesses or start them? Like, where is that distinction? Um, and really, you know, the, the only true unique to the founder is the vision, right? People who start businesses, like I've done this, you know, five times before, and I'm on my sixth version of the same, you know, smaller company or just something that isn't you know, necessarily as innovative. You can still be a very talented business operator. You can make a lot of returns, you know, everything like that, right? The really key piece is the founder has the vision. It's it, it's almost this thing that goes, you know, outside of the business realm and more into the, the social philosophical realm, which is, you know, the world should work differently. If my vision is achieved, I think it will work differently and in a better way. Yeah, that, that's real powerful. It, to me, it's like a little difference between the person who says, I'm going to be a business owner of a franchise. And the person who says, I've got a completely new way of doing business and, and sells a franchise, if it, if it were, right? Uh, you've got a uh, a new you you're recognizing for Horace you're recognizing that time is becoming precious around the world right and that we're uh, as the world gets faster quicker uh, we're being pulled in lots of different directions and time is the most precious you know item right it doesn't come oh, back absolutely yeah if I can get on my soapbox for a second there you know, I truly, and this goes, you know, to my vision, right, which has kept me going through all those things like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I'm not sure if I can do that. The vision, you know, kind of like when you're a parent, you have a kid, doesn't matter what you as the parent want. If the kid needs it, you're going to do it. 
right? This was a piece of my vision. This was what I was willing to make it all of those sacrifices or just adjust my life around it. Because time really is the most precious currency that a human can have to a business or to a, an organization. There's more abstract assets that matter. But we as people, everything else, you know, comes, at, comes after the line, after time. And I think, you know, 2020 especially probably showed a lot of this, um, sometimes in some very stark um, ways, really, you know, how precious life can be. You know, a lot of us you know, lost loved ones um, or, you know, just, you know, or if, you know, people who are old enough to understand that more intuitively say, yeah, you know, we, we all wake up, we have these 24 hours in the day. And for most of us, that's how it works. But you never really know. You don't truly know how much time you have. You can go into your bank account or, you know, open up your portfolio and see, you know, how much you know, currency you have or how much you have and whatever. But really, you know, time, this most precious thing that most of us spend so flippantly, you know, I think either there's some quote to paraphrase to the effect, you know, I wish people spent their time with as much consideration as they spend their money. Um, and for me, it, it's really the same thing. So one, if I can just allow people to think about it more holistically, like I'm certainly, I'm not here to say, you know, I have the answers to life. I can teach you how to be happy. There's gurus out there that can sell you that product. That's not what I have to offer here. Really what I want people to do is make more thoughtful decisions that think, okay, if these, these are my values. This is my identity. How do I you know, actualize that? How, would, how do I make decisions in my day-to-day -day life that actually add up to that person I want to be? That's, you know, the single most important mission that we have. And to think, you know, if it's a currency, how can we help people to save it, right? I read there's a statistic, 1 billion people around the world spend four hours per more of their weekday on email, which, you know, I don't think it's anyone's first choice thing to do. No one wakes up in the morning and say, I want to spend all day on nothing but email. No one wants to do that. So if we can imagine, we could say, take 25% of that, right? Say too much scheduling is happening via email, the least efficient choice. It's, you know, email tag this, very cumbersome. We can free up 1 billion human hours per day. We're, you know, that's the equivalent of us creating thousands and thousands of lifetimes in respent time. Someone can step away from the laptop, spend it with their kids, with a book, go for a walk, anything they want to do. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine everyone can think of at least one thing they'd rather do than email, right? We're creating lifetimes of potential. So it's not, for us, scheduling isn't productivity. It's not you know, get a little bit more done or, you know, see what you can get done for your boss every week. It's about you making the decisions that are your life. Ones you won't regret. You can say, I live the life well spent through all these small decisions that added up to really massive outcomes. Very nice. So I, I really like that. So Horace is making, helping people make more thoughtful decisions about the time and their spending of time so they mm -hmm. can live a more productive and purposeful life. And if we can go back to this earlier, right? The goal setting, this is where most people's systems fall off. They have the data, they have the, the habits, and those are all great. But without that reflection piece, which is, you know, okay, I did the thing I planned. Was that the right thing to do? Was that actually optimal? As far as I'm aware, there isn't really any tool that facilitates that kind of time reflection very effectively. You know, there's tools that could say how much time you spend on meetings this week, right? Some version of that silo. But was this a good week? You know, yes, let's build on it. Let's continue in this direction. Or I thought it would be great. It didn't work out so well. What was the disconnect? With that reflection piece, that's where people can actually truly use those lessons to have a better week, a better day, a better next year. Yep. 
it's it's part of that mindful that whole need to be mindful of what you're what you're doing you know that mindfulness so for for liam what where what help do you need with the business we've got an audience out there is there anything you'd like to ask the audience for help with or or how do they get in contact with you sure um well, for starters, if you would like to, you know, say you're curious about the app after hearing all this and you know, maybe want to know, you know, okay, what does that actually look like? Um, a good starting point would be our company website. So that's www.catalina, like the island, seven, like the number, the, the digit, and then ventures, catalina7ventures.com. Yeah. yeah, and I'll have that in the show notes. So it, it'll Perfect. be easy for everybody. Yeah. And then I'll, you know, I'll include my email there. So, um, you know, if you find the website or, you know, if you're on Savvy Founder right now, you should be able to track me down or otherwise my name is Liam Rose and you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, what I would like, you know, I'm pretty simple and, you know, shouldn't surprise uh, any listeners who know me. I'm a pretty social animal, but one, always looking to meet intelligent people. You know, whether you think of yourself in the startup space exactly or not, I'm still interested to have that conversation, learn a little bit more. Um, of course, particularly, you know, around this time, we're looking for very capable software engineers. You know, if you're a full stack developer and especially in the Orange County area or Southern California, we'd love to talk to you, if nothing else, and just to make friends and, you know, perhaps get your take on the beta. Uh, we are fundraising. So if there's anyone who is a pre-seed investor, feels compelled to reach out, or if they're a seed investor and just want to reach out and say hello, we love to build relationships before, you know, they're really... Um, actively built into the business itself. Um, or if you think that this product is really for you, if you think there's a user community out there who really needs this, if you're listening to this and you think, wow, you know, my family could really use that. My, you know, PTA group, uh, you know, our, our soccer parents group, whatever that may be, volunteer group. If you think that this could be useful for you, please reach out. Even if, you know, maybe our, our you know, we're just in beta right now for a little bit too early for you. If, if you have that idea, like if my schedule did this, it would be perfect. We want to hear that idea because for us, unlike you know, most of the other competition, it's not too early for us to introduce those features, right? If you if there's something that can really help us to help you, let us know. There's still time and a you know very high possibility we can introduce that into the app at some point. So give us the chance to help us make your ideal scheduling app. And we're pretty friendly. So you know, just ask around and we'll have a good conversation. Well, thank you very much, Liam. That's been very, I look forward to when we, we think about time as this completely precious commodity everywhere. We're not slaves to the, uh, to the calendar, the old calendar. So I look forward to seeing your vision come true and take advantage of all that Liam has and, and, and make sure you download, uh, get connected so you can get the beta and uh, give your input. So thank you, Liam. Absolutely. Thank you, Philip. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And so that's uh, that's it for this week with uh, the Savvy Founder. Uh, please, if you like the show, give a five-star review. You can subscribe at all, all places where we list podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and a bunch of other 20 places. So take care. Have a great week. Wishing you a bright and profitable future in both your personal and professional lives. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and check out our website for tips, thesavvyfounder.com. You can also follow Philip on Clubhouse at The Savvy Founder, wishing you a profitable and bright future. Safe journeys. See you next week.